the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. American prosperity is the bedrock of freedom and security all over the world. An obligation to the heritage of liberty and dignity handed down to us by our forefathers. It's time for the Pro-America Report with Ed Martin on The Answer San Diego. Hey, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Haidt. I am stepping in today to fill in for Mr. Ed Martin. In fact, we've had uh, some different fill-ins here. Obviously, it's been the uh, week between the holidays, uh, Christmas to New Year's. I hope that you had a wonderful Christmas. I haven't, I haven't spoken to everyone here uh, since Christmas time, so I hope that you had a very Merry Christmas. I hope that you were able to take uh, Ed's message about Christmas to heart, that it was a good time of uh, re, uh, relaxing, rejuvenation, uh, and also focusing, centering ourselves uh, on the real reason uh, for Christmas time keeping our faith focused during this season uh, and not getting distracted from that, even as the distraction of politics and culture is just crazy and continues to march on whether we care or not. But uh, this week, uh, we have been taking a little bit of a break. I'm sure you've noticed we've had some great uh, best ofs from some of our good guests this year. A lot of the topics we have covered, the things that are incredibly important that have been worthwhile. We've been marching through some of those as we have a little bit of our year in review. And I hope that you've enjoyed them. I hope it's been helpful and a good reminder of some of the places we've gone, the topics we've covered, the things that we have discussed uh, and taken ownership of as Americans, these issues that matter to all of us, even if they have not yet touched our own lives uh, as citizens. They are all important to all of us, but um, that has been a good time. Here, before we go on, I wanted to hop on and make sure that I delivered a little bit of a New Year's uh, message, something I was thinking about, something I think matters to all of us here. Uh, I wanted to make sure I, I uh, though, uh, gave that. Before I do, let me remind you, go to ProAmericaReport.com. Uh, head over there, you'll find Ed's Substack. You'll want to subscribe to the email. you get notifications about when those new articles come out. You can also head over to PhyllisSchlafly.com. That's our day job, the Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. There, you will be able to sign up for the Wink email. Comes into your inbox every single weekday morning. Uh, we have had a little bit of an alternated schedule through the holidays, but we will be back at it in January uh, once again with that Wink email every Wednesday or every Wednesday every weekday morning straight to your inbox super short super helpful tells you a few things you need to know about your day and also gives you a few key stories uh, in addition to the wink the what you need to know named after this first segment here Uh, but uh, that's that let's get down to business we've got another uh, couple of great interviews today uh, that we're going to play and it is going to be a good time something incredibly important and then again tomorrow we've got a doubleheader interview with Jeff Clark uh, the former, as we say, the two-time assistant attorney general uh, for the DOJ in the Trump administration. He has some incredible stories to tell, and he is one of the primary folks being 
pursued and persecuted by the Department of Justice now alongside Donald Trump and his allies. He is someone who uh, fought back against the system and the system is fighting back against him. Uh, So that's going to be another good one. But I, I wanted to take a moment and pause as we reflect on this uh, shift from 2023 into 2024. As we look upon this new year, I know that it's a great time uh, for all of us to reflect what we did and what we could have done better and then choose uh, how to resolve uh, in our minds and in our hearts that we will do these things better uh, the next year. This is something we always think about in everyone's New Year's resolutions. It usually revolves around health or finance or personal betterment and development. Uh, and I tell you what, as a nation, I think that America has some serious uh, resolving to be done, not just personal betterment and not just for moving uh, a different direction, but for having a very significant change, having a very hard check on where we are as a nation, what we have allowed to creep into our culture and into our government and to make some really serious changes. And, and here's what I mean. What, what I think this is, and th- th- this is really the what you need to know. Maybe we should let our 17, uh, or let me say it this way, pardon me. We should have our 2024 be our 1774. Let's make that happen. Should we? 2024, let's make that our 1774. And let me explain what I mean by that. December of 1773, the Boston Tea Party, uh, one of the hallmark moments to us in our history books of the American Revolution, the War for Independence, uh, one of the earliest stages uh, that really kind of kicked off. Obviously, there had been several things happening, a lot of the um, the Stamp Act and different things. Uh, Congress, or I should say Congress at that time, um, the colonies asking for a reprieve from some of the really harsh treatment uh, and neglect going uh, on from from British Parliament, asking the king to intervene on their behalf, the king not responding. This had been going on for some time. uh, And then that hallmark moment crossing from 1773 to 1774, uh, the anger over treatment of the colonies and its people, uh, the lack of dignity and respect and rights as British civilians, Uh, British citizens uh, given or rather not given to the colonists, the ignoring that Parliament was doing uh, toward the colonies and the trampling of the local governance that had been set up here and and had been going along just fine. These things all culminated in this spirit that that bubbled up and began to boil over one of those moments, one of those flashpoints, the Boston Tea Party in 1773, uh, which, you know, doesn't look very uh, hectic or chaotic or even that violent compared to some of the protests of today when you go back and watch these uh, calm colonists dressed up as Indians uh, taking apart the crates of tea, throwing them into Boston Harbor, and then cleaning up the ship before they left. It's <laughs> how, my how far we've come. But that spirit was boiling up and bubbling over at different flashpoints. And then in 1774, uh, it began to form into organized action. The Continental Congress came about in 1774. That ran all the way to 1789 until the beginning of the new government, until the Constitution took effect uh, and our uh, Congress and our branches of government as they are now uh, were instituted. But that, that, that was a very pivotal moment moving from the spirit boiling over in 1773 
1773 uh, into the organized uh, beginnings of 1774. And then you know the rest of the story. It takes off 1775 and 76. The Continental Army is raised. The Declaration of Independence is signed. This this path that we were set on really found its legs from 1773 into 1774, at least in a certain manner of speaking. There's a big timeline to consider, and I'm certainly condensing. But I think that if we look at where we are now, there is a very similar moment where the spirit of retaking America, making it what it once was, returning us to our founding principles, that kind of thing is sorely needed. And the cries from uh, the, the cries from her people, the cries from our citizens, from the working Americans, uh, things that are represented in songs. I'll, uh, we talked in the Phyllis Schlafly column, the, the report column, uh, John and Andy Schlafly wrote uh, conservatives of the year. There were a couple of interesting mentions. One of them, uh, Oliver Anthony, the musician, he doesn't claim to be a, a conservative, I don't believe, but. His song, Rich Men North of Richmond, is, is just a, a, it is an incredible moment in time, a crying out of the working family who is trying to get by and is being crushed by the elites who care only for their own wealth and power and accumulation. This moment that we're in is boiling over. It is bubbling over the spirit, this burgeoning of of wanting freedom again, of wanting liberty and rights to be recognized again, of removing this woke agenda and censorship that tramples before it everything else except for bowing to its own agenda. These things, the reaction to them is boiling over all across the country. It really, it has been uh, for a couple of years now. I think we started to see that in the school board meetings of Virginia. Uh, that led to an interesting election there, Glenn Youngkin coming in. And, and we saw a lot more interesting things. 2022, uh, we have seen so much this year, 2023. May this moving over into 2024, moving over into the new year, may it be for us not just a time of resolving uh, hopes. We hope to do this better. I hope that this changes. I want this personally. I want to see that. Let it be action. Let us take organization. Let this be the year that people who resonate with those songs like Rich Men North of Richmond, let this be the year that those of us who resonate with it form ourselves into grassroots action. Let us find where we can make a difference and march forward into that. Let's make politicians listen again. Let's make bureaucrats be accountable again. Uh, and in fact, let's fire a few of them along the way. There's too many as, as it is. Uh, and a few of the departments, too. We can just close those down. You know, save the budget. Let's uh, make our state officials stand up for their citizens again, even if it's against the federal government and their own interests as far as federal money's coming back down. Let's make this spirit of yearning for liberty and rights to be recognized, yearning to fight against this authoritarian woke agenda that silences everything in its path. Let us turn 2024 into the year of organization, just as we saw in 1774. Let that be this year. We must make it our resolve to take action. And just as the Continental Congress rose, may the American people rise again and take back our country for the things that it makes sense, for the things that promote liberty and freedom and the rights of all men and the rights of all Americans to live freely and peacefully together in society, not trample each other under authoritarianism and censorship. May it be so. Let's make 2024 our 1774. Will you join me with that? There's my resolution. Uh, let's make that together. And we will move forward. 
forward. Come on back after the break here. I'm going to uh, cut this off, and then we'll come back at the end of the show and wrap it up. Thank you for being with us. Again, go to ProAmericaReport.com and PhyllisLafley.com. Find all the links, resources, and podcasts and standalones. And come on back after the break for a lot more of our great guests from 2023. Thank you for being here, and we will talk to you in just a moment here on the Pro America Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Time to check in with our old friend, Colonel John Mills, retired Army colonel, a long career in uh, in intelligence and understanding what's happening in government, as well as now in the last few years, especially understanding how uh, to interact with local governments and the author of the book, uh, war against the deep state, the war against the deep state, which is the second, uh, uh, book, war against the deep state.com. By the way, you can go there to check that out. It's the second of his books, uh, uh, particularly on what's happening and where, uh, things are going and heading. Welcome back, uh, Colonel. How are you, sir? Oh, Ed, thank you. Uh, always an honor to be with you. And you wrote a great preface. Ed wrote the preface. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That's right. It book. is. A, that is. A, I shouldn't, I shouldn't bury the lead there. And, and that, um, you know, uh, you told me how the first book you wrote was really about what you saw to do, right? In other words, how do you create the web of uh, relationships, the social network of relationships to get to make things work, to, to influence particularly what has happened after the election in, in 2020? Like, you know, if you're concerned about things, you got to go about changing uh, things and you can you know yell into the uh, cyberspace and and or you can go and say, hey, here's um, uh, here's ways to connect people. And that book is called The Nation will follow um war against the deep state why why and what's the moment what why'd you write this one what are you what are you trying to do here well the second book is really about the foundations of the mass surveillance state that we're finding more and more about and i was there i was part of the interagency team that put it together 2007 to 2014 it was created with lawful and good reasons to protect Americans from the foreign extremist threat, but it's been turned around and pointed and weaponized at the American people. So the foundations of the surveillance state, which had given rise to the fourth, fifth, and sixth branches of government, the administrative state is the fourth branch, the fifth branch being the fusion of federal law enforcement, intelligence, and big tech, and the sixth being the out-of-control nonprofits that are unaccountable, places like the UPenn Biden Center for Election Interference, uh, or many nonprofits that are garnering huge sums of money from the federal government in resettling illegals coming across the border. Um, Colonel John Mills, our guest, and again, WarAgainstTheDeepState.com. You can see uh, his book there, and, and um, you can buy it lots of different places, including through uh, Mike Lindell's website there. You can get signed copies. Um, so, you know, in the last couple of days, last week or two, um, the Republicans included uh, reauthorization of aspects of this surveillance state. It, is the nature of the beast here, John, that if you're in the process, in the midst of it, you think, well, we can tweak it and manage it OK, because uh, from the outside, it looks like you just got to stop. 
You got to stop this completely. But, you know, I don't I don't I don't I don't assume that all of these people just have bad faith. Right. I don't think Speaker Mike Johnson, I think he's a conservative, but it it looks like everybody sort of comes to a sort of, uh, you know, the conclusion, oh, well, we can fix it. And it doesn't feel like you can fix it. What, What am I missing? I, what I have seen in past art uh, uh, debates over renewal of the 702 process is when they bring in the policymakers on the executive branch, when they bring in the legislators, it is intoxicating when they when General Paul Nakasone gives a brief or Jen Easterly at DHS CISA gives a brief. The scope, scale, and immediacy of what can be had is intoxicating. Everybody goes, oh, boy. Oh, yeah, we want this all right. And not stopping or pausing to think, not can, uh, can we, but should we? And do we have a legal basis? And this is what's happened over and over and over again. And Nakasone comes out, uh, you know, come in a compelling, we've got to have this. And everybody says, well, General Nakasone and Jenny Sully says we got to have it. We got it. And then, wow, that briefing was great. So I guess we got to have it. No, 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 no. We've got to stop. This is just frankly out of control. And we do not have proper transparency and accountability for the mass surveillance that's that's uh, been picked up. Now, just a real, real, real quick caveat is also tied to book one and part of book two is we do have an arrest and now a sentencing of Charles McGonigal former director of FBI counterintelligence for the New York field office. So this is one of the, one of the things I talked about in book one and very closely related to book two is out of control federal officials creating, creating this, this whole drama of Russia, Russia, Russia. And was that what happened on January 6th? Yeah, I think uh, we need to, I think there's a strong evidence leading that direction here. So we need full, absolute accountability and we need to we need to put our foot on the brakes of 702 and say enough time to reset this uh, we're talking again with uh, Colonel uh, John Mills, uh, John R. Mills. He's a uh, former director of cybersecurity policy and strategy inside the uh, Secretary of Defense um, and sort of kind of a, uh, I don't know to say, convert to the to the uh, uh, corruption of the system. Um, you know, uh, John, if if we have this going on in our government, um What's the likelihood that uh, I don't know how to say this better? The, the chances that the Chinese communists are not knee deep into like every aspect of our systems. It seems like almost 100 percent that they're in there. And that and yet uh, let me ask it this way. Are, are is somebody fighting that? And we just don't know because you can't know everything in the public. Or are we spending our time watching ourselves and our own nation and targeting our own politics? And we're the threats are all around us. I think there's hope, uh, as as Ronald Reagan or, or Phyllis would have said. There's a pony somewhere in this pile, and I do <laughs> see an <laughs> I do see an awakening. I do see an awakening in many ways, and there's there's a greater amounts of whistleblowers coming forward. I think more and more people realize this, but the problem was for so many years we were taught China's rise is good. China will become like us. Okay, those days are gone. And except for those who are totally bought off, those who are totally corrupt, those who are totally just absolute naive, they realize 
China's the problem, and China is embedded in our culture, in our education system, in our institutions, and we've got to start. We're, 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 I think there has become an awakening, except for that dedicated fringe that's bought off or corrupt or just ideologically wacko. So I do see hope here, and I do see an awakening, but we really need America First leadership back in the White House. Uh, the book, again, is uh, War Against the Deep State. Um, the author is Colonel, retired Colonel John Mills, Ar- Army, uh, U.S. Army. Um, new leadership, okay, in the White House. But again, back to my point, if you if the Congress can be wowed by the briefings, are we, you know, are we uh, and are, are we almost too little too late? Now, I'm hoping that this is this is a very short term extension of 702 in the National Defense Authorization Act. Um, we have to have an honest dialogue. This 702 has really been. Uh, that's the basis for many in the deep state to abuse the mass collection capabilities and weaponize them, use them for I me. Mean, it started off as simple unmasking with uh, um, Susan Rice uh, in advance of the 2016 election. It's gotten far broader and worse. And two key legal elements that have also enabled this, and that's the 2013 Smith Moon update, which essentially allowed a U.S. government produced information to be directed at the American people, and it created the culture and atmosphere and attitude that if somebody questions it, questions U.S. government information, they obviously are under foreign influence, and that the 2018 executive order that created the Foreign Influence Task Force, which to this day, now we got the all-important Missouri-Louisiana cases in front of the Supreme Court, and now we have Ken Paxton's Texas suit mm-hmm. uh, that's parallel, more targeted at State Department and the Global Engagement Center right. and the, the digital, uh, the disinformation global index, this cottage industry out of London, right. where everybody who in the fairy tale land of mis, dis and malinformation has uh, flocked to in London. Right. But also, you got Atlantic Council, you got University of Washington, Stanford yep. Yep. targeting yeah. Americans. Yeah, um, unfortunately, John, uh, Colonel John uh, Mills, I'm out of time. Uh, I'm up against the deadline. So thank you. Everyone should get this book, not just because I did the introduction, but because there's a lot of there, there. War Against the Deep State, uh, Colonel John Mills retired. We'll be right back, everybody. I'll put it up on social media. We'll take a quick break and be back. Ed Martin, Pro America Report, back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We're talking with John Schlafly, and we're visiting and revisiting this question, this question of due process. And we've heard in the last uh, few weeks, we've heard from people like uh, Catherine Engelbrecht. We've heard from people like Mike Davis about what's happening to our court system, what's happening with uh, what's going on. And I, I think, you know, the, the, the we should be saying more clearly that we demand due process. It should be demanded in this case. John Schlafly, welcome. I know you're an attorney. Uh, you practice for some years. You don't formally practice now, but obviously you're a close observer of this. You know, the the idea that um, 
not just President Trump, but so many others, uh, including, say, uh, Dean Eastman, uh, Professor Eastman, are are targeted. It, it really feels like, as I've said before, the crown jewel of America, which is our constitution, the rule of law and our our people, our, our founding values together. This being attacked in, in this way. How, how do you how do you see it and how do you understand the, the frame that I'm offering? Well, that is true, and we have well-established principles of immunity and privilege that are being just steamrolled uh, in, in an effort to get Trump, as, as Professor Dershowitz made the title of his book, Get Trump. Mm-hmm. That's what's going on here. And Dershowitz, of course, had a long, has had a long career in criminal defense, and he's pointed out these things, how attorneys have been forced to breach their attorney-client privilege, which used to be sacrosanct. Well, it isn't. If you attorney work for Trump, uh, your attorney-client privilege is broken and you know, confidential communications have been forced to be turned over. And then there's the journalist privilege. And there's um, uh, just came out that a conservative journalist who works for the Blaze Media, a legitimate journalist who was taking pictures and films of people entering the Capitol, is on January the 6th, 2021. He's been told he's, he's, he'll be charged for, for himself, for interfering with official proceedings, because he was filming what mm. was going on and transmitting that to the American people. So that's kind of thing. Those are two examples. There are many other examples, uh, you know, trying to disbar attorneys. Yeah. Uh, the prosecution of Rudy Giuliani, which is an outrage. Uh, and uh, you could go on so and on. John, I want to ask you about one aspect. I've, I've seen you write about it. But, you know, there's a famous essay written by a former uh, court of appeals judge, uh, the late uh, judge Henry Friendly, uh, where he lists he, he has uh, he writes about this question of uh, of due process, comes up with a list of uh, uh, the elements of due process. And, and, and one of the first one is an unbiased tribunal. Now, you've written about this, about the court system in Washington, D.C., the federal courts and the judges. There's nothing unbiased about this tribunal that Trump is facing. I mean, what do we what do we have when we have judges? It's okay. Prosecutors can be crazy. Look up to New York, the Letitia James and maybe down to Georgia to Fannie Willis. Their language can be crazy. They're elected officials and all. But in our federal system, judges and the judicial system, it's just and then the jury. I mean, that's not an unbiased tribunal at all not even close no and and uh, uh unbiased tribunal is an important doctrine but the, the phrase that's in our constitution is, is an impartial jury i mean those words have resonated now for 200 and what 240 years and uh there's no way that donald trump can find an impartial jury in the district of columbia and so Certainly he, as well as all of the January 6th defendants, should be entitled to a change of venue to their home district. Now, uh, the, the, the other constitutional provision says that crimes are supposed to be tried in the district where the crime occurred. But, you know, so there is a conflict between that provision but the need for an impartial jury. If you can't get an impartial jury, there should be a change of venue at a minimum uh, uh, to till you can get an impartial jury. And if you can't 
seat or impanel, as lawyers say, an impartial jury, then the trial cannot be held. It's kind of like, Ed, uh, as you know, there are some people who are so, um, you know, uh, you might say uh, insane uh, or that they are unable to participate in their own defense, that a trial cannot be held. That person cannot be held. And the same also applies if you cannot seat or impanel an impartial jury, the trial cannot go forward. And yet that's really uh, where we are with President Trump and with all the other J6 defendants. You know, not one of them had an impartial jury. Well, and you know, um, the the uh, that's an excellent point. I mean, very well said about the 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 history and what Americans should demand about due process, how it should work. I think that that captures it. Um, I want to ask you, John. I want to judge friendly. I'm not saying it's ours, but he says about due process is public attendance. How do you feel about? The um, the call President Trump has done it in at least one of his cases saying, you know, televise this. Let's let the world in here. I think there's always been conflicting conversations about this. You know, the late Justice Scalia did not want to 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 trans to to uh, transmit to televise. uh, um, uh, But should the defendant be allowed to say, I want this to be available? In other words, not not an appellant necessarily, but if you're the defendant in a criminal matter, can public attendance, could you extend that and say, you you have to be able to stream that live so everyone can see it? I think it's an important issue that should be considered. And uh, I haven't totally made up my mind about that. Trials do have to be public. And now the federal court's have not allowed cameras, and they say that if you have a small number of spectators, maybe you know a couple of dozen or how many can fit in the courtroom, and then you have reporters and a sketch artist right. who draw pictures, and that's good enough. Well, I'm not sure it is good enough in a case like this. And uh, you know, certain states, and Florida was the first, for probably 40 years ago. To, to call cameras in all courtrooms. Yeah. Now I should, you know, just just to sure people understand, the jurors are kept out of the cameras' view, so you you don't get to see jurors. They are kept. They can be kept anonymous, but everybody else, including witnesses and the defendants and other parties and lawyers to the case are visible and every and audible to the general public. That's the way it's done in Florida. Yeah. I haven't heard anyone complain about that. Uh, well, well, and, I, and I, the, the thought I hear, I think, John, is that if if we've come to a point where for reasons that are, are um, uh, difficult to get into in a, in a short uh, conversation, people don't really trust what's happening with the government. I think that's where we are. I think if you could go back 40 years, people would say maybe they shouldn't have trusted it much, but we've been conditioned to believe that generally our system was working for all of us and working well. And if the distrust is what's crept in, in a profound way, then in order to have due process, the demand is, hey, for a criminal defendant, you know, not not necessarily as a, a, play, a defendant in a, in a civil action, maybe, or on appeal or something, but as to you're taking my liberty away, I want that to be able to be seen publicly. And the way to do that used to be you had to go there and, you know, there'd be coverage, as you point out. Now you can stream it with a low, low enough cost. Yeah, the word public is in the Constitution. Every in all criminal prosecutions, the Sixth Amendment says the defendant is entitled to a speedy and public 
trial. Now, what does public mean today in 2023 or 2024? You know, maybe it does mean uh, streaming. Uh, that needs to be seriously considered. A great, another great point, John. Thank you. Um, and uh, I, I had not put that together, uh, the link there. And again, as you say, it, it's it's a brave new world as part of it. it the, the founders didn't know we'd have the Internet streaming and have that uh, ability, obviously. But but it seems to me, again, there there ought to be for us as we the people to say when it comes to, you know, taking away and I probably I probably can convince myself to when taking away life, liberty and, and the pursuit of happiness. So property uh, uh, takings also, you'd say, you know what, if I want it, I should be the one that gets to say I'm the defendant. I should be able to uh, the one that to say whether I want this uh, uh, I want this televised uh, and streamed so people can see it and review it and critique it and everything else. And um, so, all right, John Schlafly, thank you as always. Uh, a great great insight, very helpful on that question of due process uh, demanded and uh, what needs to happen. Uh, I will make sure um, to link to the judge friendly article uh, and also to John Schlafly's. Uh, columns over phyllisschlafly.com. we got to take a break, though, everybody. Uh, we'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the ProNark Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Since the swearing-in of House Speaker Mike Johnson, the Republican Speaker from Louisiana, many groups and countries are lining up for new handouts from this Congress. Among those with their hats in their hands for billions of dollars are the green energy industry of windmills and battery-powered cars. Fortunately, House Speaker Johnson began his speakership fully supported by conservative lawmakers in the House who wanted separate votes on spending neutral bills. The first out of the gate was a $14.3 billion aid package to Israel, which would be funded by repealing part of Joe Biden's $80 billion IRS expansion. Biden's Treasury Department announced that it would borrow the most ever for the fourth quarter of 2023, $776 billion. The multi-billion dollar cost of the leftist green agenda is not something we can afford to ignore anymore. Ask Ford Motor Company. In October, Ford's stock fell by 14% in three business days after news came out that the company lost a more than expected $1.33 billion in its electric vehicle unit for the third quarter of 2023. This translates into an average loss of $36,000 on every electric vehicle it sold. Once a preeminent American corporation, Ford's value fell to only $38 billion in market capitalization, and it cannot survive annual losses of $5 billion on electric vehicles. A sharp increase in costs for raw materials needed for the batteries in electric vehicles has cast doubt on if and when electric cars would ever be profitable to sell, despite mandates by Joe Biden and California Governor Gavin Newsom. Electric vehicles will not change the world in the way that Democrat politicians and pundits claim it will. The climate change narrative is overblown and based on fear mongering. Even if it were true, the cut in carbon emissions brought about by electric vehicles would barely make a dent in total carbon emissions. So damaging the American economy by forcing longstanding American corporations to be hamstrung by electric vehicle mandates is an onerous cost. And the benefits are extremely limited and based on questionable climate change agendas. 
This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. The hypocrisy and lies of the liberal media are alarming and even incite public unrest. But the fake news and the commentators who slant coverage are finally being exposed. At phyllisschlafly.com, we promise to provide timely alerts and take effective action on your behalf. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Pro-America Report. This is Ryan Height filling in here again today for Mr. Ed Martin, and I wanted to come back uh, and wrap up the show. Uh, we had a couple of great guests, been marching through our best of uh, some of the guests for this year, some great topics, and also was glad to be here for the wink today, what you need to know. You should go back and listen to that one uh, at ProAmericaReport.com and com. There you can go and sign up, get all the podcasts, standalone segments, links, resources, but it's New Year's. Uh, you go and do those things and uh, get on the Wink email list at phyllislafley.com. You won't regret it. That'll be a good 2024. But what do we do at New Year's? We just had a good Christmas. Christmas is a good thing. We're celebrating the birth of Jesus. Uh, and I decided as we're thinking about uh, old year into the new year, and we always do this dance with resolutions, don't we? And then the gyms are full of everyone for several uh, weeks, uh, at least a few weeks, while people uh, get ready to be different in the new year. Guess what? Uh, it doesn't always stick. So I'd like to do a little exercise. It's a good thing. I like to keep it simple. And I brought some special guests with me. It's no secret that we are uh, all kind of uh, working uh, sporadically here from home. You may have picked that up uh, from the home studio. So I've got some uh, home guests in my home studio. Uh, my kids are here. And uh, I wanted to do a little exercise and see. Maybe let's make this simple. Uh, and why don't you join us with uh, why don't you join with us, dear Pro America Report family and listeners? Uh, let's make this simple for next year. Uh, instead of burdening ourselves down with big hard things to do and new goals that we're going to make that we're not going to be able to follow through with, what if we all picked one thing? Uh, what is one thing? And here's my exercise: What is one thing that we did in 2023 this past year that we could have done better, or that we'd like to do better next year? That's kind of something I'd like to think about. I think that's simple, don't you? And I've got some helpers here with me. So we can go in order. You want to say hi, Jack? Hi. Jack, this is a radio show, right? <laughs> You've heard enough of this over the years, haven't you, from producing this? Are you excited about being on and saying something? Yes. How old are you? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Almost, almost nine. We're getting there. Well, I was going to ask you, what is one thing that you think of from this past year that you would like to do better at next year? Riding my bicycle and doing tricks. Oh, riding your bicycle and doing tricks. Well, you've gotten very good at those things this year, so I have a feeling you could make that happen. Uh, next up in line, who are you? Teddy and I'm five. Teddy and you're five? You're a good middle kid, aren't you? Yeah, and you've listened to this not as much as your older brother has, but you've still heard some, haven't you? Well, what do you think? What's one thing that this from this past year you can think of that you would like to do better at next year than you even did this year? Doing doing new tricks on my scooter new tricks on your scooter there you go you're not looking forward to anything else really big are you no No. is is turning six going to be exciting yes yes maybe yes maybe and then last but not least hi who are you will will do you know how old you are two and a half two and a half you're almost what five five you're almost three aren't you 
Is there something that you want to try to do better at or try harder at for next year, Will? Um, I like doing tricks on my scooter. Tricks on my scooter. And as you can tell, we all like being just like our big brothers, don't we? Uh, well, there you go. There are, um, from the simple to the big, uh, lots of things that we can do. And I hope that you join with us. This is just a fun little picture as we're closing out the show today here. I'm doing this at, from home uh, with my family. I greatly hope that this New Year's you are surrounded by your friends and family. But as we think about it, we make such big and grandiose resolutions. Um, we try to make these big predictions. Being better tomorrow than we were today. Treating other people better tomorrow than we treated them today. Doing something personally better tomorrow than we did today. Uh, these are easy, one step at a time. And so often we make it too complicated. And I think that um, even as we have an opportunity here in America, we see all the news headlines, Donald Trump and Joe Biden and all the people running for president and all the people running for Congress and the news speaker of the House and all the things on TV. Uh, as we see all of this, let's keep it simple. What is one thing uh, that we thought of or didn't do or did last year that we want to do better or do for the first time uh, or any of those things? It's time, I think. Let's let 2024 be the year of marching forward on goals, whether it's big or small. Let's make that happen. You want to help me make that happen? Small steps, baby steps, one at a time, just like our little boys here want to do one thing better and it's an attainable goal and they're going to work on it rather than make big giant goals as a nation, as citizens of that nation, uh, as individuals. Let's make some goals we can stick to and let's stick to them. Um, let's make it uh, a step forward in the right direction. I think America could use a lot more uh, good, solid, small, single steps forward uh, than we could use more grandiose, big talking, huh? You and me both in our personal lives, I'm sure, uh, and my family here, and then uh, as well as all the way up to the halls of Congress. So let's make that so. Let's make this the, re the year of not just resolutions, but the year of small, sure steps forward. All right? So... Get a little bit more educated. Find out your local elections, what's happening. Write some stuff down. Take a notepad with you. Maybe ask some friends, hey, have you thought about this or that or the other? What are you thinking about this? Start the conversation. You don't have to have the answers, and you don't have to have uh, the next 12 months plotted out in the gym. You just need to take the right next step better tomorrow than you did today. We need to take the right next steps better next year uh, than we did this year even. And it is time to march forward with some great renewal and action. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you for being with me on this uh, New Year's message. Uh, and thank you for being with our pro-America report family throughout this holiday season. Again, I wish, I hope that you all had a wonderful, happy, and a Merry Christmas, and may I wish you a Happy New Year from our pro-America report family to you, from my family to you. Let's make it a good one of sure small steps forward for America. Thank you to Ed for leading this program. Thank you to Mason, my co-producer, for helping me keep all the trains on the tracks and on time. And we will look forward to talking to you tomorrow on another edition here of the pro-America report God bless everyone. We'll talk to you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. <laughs> 
explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.